Let's talk about Palestine. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The Breakdown. The Breakdown. most of us, learning a second language in school wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I remember trying to learn Swahili in college, and I just wouldn't have made it through that class without the help of my wife. Now thanks to Babbel, the number one selling language learning app, there's a fun and easy way to learn a new language. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. And right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code BREAKDOWN. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code BREAKDOWN, for an extra three months free. Babbel, that's language for life. There is so much to say about Palestine, about the brutality and lack of humanity that they are experiencing right now. But first, I want to lift up two very important voices. I'll come back after that to speak and share my thoughts. But first, I want you to hear a clip from my friend and brother, Mehdi Hassan, uh, my former colleague and co-worker at The Intercept. Mehdi is now at uh, the Peacock Network, a division of NBC. I want you to hear just this short 60-second clip from Mehdi about a core idea that you have to consider before you think of anything else about Palestine and Israel. Listen to Mehdi. And look, one word you hear a lot when you cover Israel-Palestine is the word clashes. There are clashes between Israelis and Palestinians in Jerusalem tonight. And I get it, it's journalistic shorthand often, but it's a word personally I cannot stand. These are not clashes. In Jerusalem, one side, not the other, is firing rubber-coated steel bullets. One side, not the other, has hundreds of people injured and in hospital tonight. One side, not the other, is having its holy sites raided. And don't get me wrong, there is violence from the Palestinian side too. The rockets out of Gaza today, courtesy of Hamas, for example, which should be condemned as well, especially when they're targeted at Israeli civilians. But the fundamental unavoidable reality at the heart of this conflict is that there is an asymmetry of power here. One side is the occupier. The other side is occupied. And media coverage, political commentary, international interventions that don't reflect this central fact. Yeah the fact of illegal occupation of the West Bank of East Jerusalem, are all, I'm sorry to say, part of the problem. I wanted you to get that core point from Mehdi, that any conversation about Palestine and Israel and what people continue to call clashes between them has to start with this idea of occupation. 
But I want to take it even a step further, and I want you to hear from a brilliant young brother named Muhammad El-Kurd. And Muhammad and his Muhammad lives in occupied Palestine, and his family home is in Sheikh Jarrah, which is the area of occupied Palestine in East Jerusalem that Israel is trying to force families out of. It is, these are their homes. This is their land. And I want you first to understand that when Mohammed El-Kurd, this is a young man uh, in his early 20s, when he took this interview on CNN, he no doubt knew that it was going to be a hostile environment, but I want you to hear his brilliance and his retort and his constant corrections of, uh, of the interviewer. But deeper than that, I just want you to listen and learn from Mohammed El-Kurd, a brilliant, compassionate writer and journalist who is there on the ground, whose family is being forced from their home. Listen to Mohammed. Well, Mohammed Al-Khad joins me now from Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us. You grew up uh, in, in the neighborhood. Your family home is slated for eviction. What is the scene right now? Well, I thank you so much for having me. To start, it's not really an eviction. It's forced ethnic dis- displacement, to be accurate, because an eviction implies legal authority. While the Israeli occupation has no legitimate jurisdiction over the eastern parts of occupied Jerusalem under international law, it also implies the presence of a landlord. And certainly these Israeli settlers have not built our homes. They're not our landlords. They don't own our land. And thirdly, eviction does not imply the hundreds and hundreds of heavily armed police and army and settlers colluding blowing up your doors, throwing your children from your windows and using brute force to throw you out in the street and assaulting and arrest you should you resist. It doesn't imply the grenades. It doesn't imply the rubber-coated bullets. It's not an eviction. According to the UN and countless politicians and human rights organizations, it could amount to war crimes. Actually, the situation is pretty tense, I can, I can tell you, and we're very scared of losing our homes to Israeli settler organizations. Uh, these settlers and, and courts would argue that their claims to the land predates you and your family. Have you been allowed to prove otherwise? No. Um, courts, the Israeli courts, the Israeli occupation courts take their documents without verification, without authentication or challenge, whereas our documents will not be looked at. Um, they will not be taken into con- consideration. Besides, just besides, just because something is technically legal does not mean it's ethical or moral or historically just or accurate or correct. We've seen many, many systems exploit the law and exploit the judiciary to uphold supremacist and racist um, lives. You've written very powerfully about being 11 and remembering this incident that I spoke about, uh, about these settlers coming to your home and, 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 and taking half of it. How does it feel to have grown up with what you've called the anxiety of dispossession? It feels familiar because this is what every Palestinian feels like under um, the crushing fangs of Israeli colonialism in Palestine. My grandmother was thrown out of her home in 1948 in Haifa, and she was thrown out again in 1967, and again in 2009 when Israeli settler organizations colluding with the Israeli state took over half of our home. And this is my second time being dispossessed from my family, should they go ahead and do it to me. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, 
it's scary, but it also has a name. It's settler colonialism, and it's apartheid, and it's the fact that these settler organizations are working together with the state to exploit the law to dispossess Palestinians. Uh, what would you like from the international community? There has been a response by many uh, to the situation your family is in right now. Uh, what, what would you like to hear, especially from the new Biden administration? Well, you know, I think the myths of self-defense and both sides are growing more and more penetrable. People are being able to see through these myths and call an occupation for what it is and call an aggressor for what it is. And this is what, what we're going under, what, what, we're, what we're facing in Sheikh Jarrah, in Jerusalem, in the Gaza Strip, in Lid, um, is colonial violence. And it's only allowed because both the state and the settlers know they have impunity. The settlers are emboldened by an apartheid state that allows them to open carry in Palestinian neighborhoods. And the state is, an embold is emboldened by an international community that refuses to call it out for what it is, that allows it to target, to intentionally target civilian neighborhoods in the Gaza Strip and massacre 24 Palestinians including nine children, without facing any consequences. I don't expect much of the Biden administration, knowing that Ned Price refused to even condemn the killing of nine Palestinian children, tells me all I need to know. Obviously, I would like the international community to hold Israel accountable under international law, but I also hope free people of the world do their part to push their governments. Do you support the protests, uh, the violent protests that have erupted in solidarity with you and, and, and other families in your position right now? Do you support um, the violent dispossession of me and my family? I'm just asking if you support the protests that are taking place in support of, of, of your family. I support, I support popular um, protests taking place against ethnic cleansing, yes. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Mohammed Al-Kurd, thank you very much. Thank you. It's important to listen to experts. It's important to listen to people who have a deep understanding, uh, not just of the, the region, of the geography, although that's important as well, but it's important to listen to people who have a deep understanding of the origins of the conflicts at hand right now. And it's part of why I wanted you to hear from both Mehdi and Muhammad in particular. There are, of course, thousands of more voices uh, that could be lifted up. But instead of you hearing from me, um, I have a, a working but still novice understanding compared to uh, either Mehdi or Muhammad and wanted to feature both of their voices today for you to understand what's really going on. This is not a co-equal clash. This is not a co-equal conflict. And that's in any measurement. We always know that the deaths of Palestinians are at a minimum 10 times more than the deaths of Israelis. And sometimes the deaths of Palestinians, and I mean this literally, are a hundred and even a thousand times more than what you see in Israel. It is not a fair fight. And we are talking about people and Palestinians 
who have been relegated to a tiny, microscopic part of their own homeland, whose humanitarian aid is blocked, whose basic utilities from electricity to water to medical provisions and more are routinely blocked, and who experience a brutality from police and the military very much akin to what African Americans experience in the United States. And so, yes, when people are literally having their homes ripped from them, it's going to start a passionate, painful um, moment in transition. And of course, they do these things during Ramadan, during a holy, sacred time of prayer and fasting. And anyone who tells you that that was coincidental is lying to you. Listen, please follow Mehdi Hassan. Please find and follow Muhammad El-Kurd. Just um, deeply insightful. And um, they are also, when you follow them, they are also amplifying other important, important voices that I want you to hear as well. Love and appreciate all of you. Again, please, please, please join the Northstar.com. We need your support. We want your support. Become a member today. You can cancel at any time. But we're only able to do what we do. I'm only able to do what I do because of your support. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Momentum.